If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Law School of America. Automatism is a rarely used criminal defense. It is one of the mental condition defenses that relate to the mental state of the defendant. Automatism can be seen variously as lack of voluntariness, lack of culpability, unconsciousness, or excuse. Shop. Automatism means that the defendant was not aware of his or her actions when making the particular movements that constituted the illegal act. For example, Esther Griggs in 1858 threw her child out of a first-floor window believing that the house was on fire, while having a sleep terror. In 2002, Peter Buck, lead guitarist of the band R.E.M., was cleared of several charges, including assault, which resulted from automatism brought on by a bad interaction between alcohol and sleeping pills. In a 2009 case in Aberbrith in West Wales, Brian Thomas strangled his wife in their camper van, also during a sleep terror, when he mistook his wife for an intruder. The defense of automatism is denying that the person was acting in the sense that the criminal law demands. As such it is really a denial of proof, the defendant is asserting that the offense is not made out. The prosecution does not have to disprove the defense as is sometimes erroneously reported, the prosecution must prove all the elements of the offense including the voluntary act requirement. Automatism is a defense even against strict liability crimes like dangerous driving, where no intent is necessary. There are several limitations to the defense of automatism in English law. Prior fault generally excludes automatism. Intoxication generally excludes automatism, even when involuntary. Any defense that rests on insanity comes under the Mitten rules. Under English law internal causes of automatism are generally judged to be insane automatism and so result in the special verdict, not guilty by reason of insanity, rather than simple acquittal. Scope. Automatism is arguably the only defense that excludes responsibility by negating the existence of the actus reus which uniquely allows it to be a defense to both conventional and strict liability offenses, although this argument could be extended to the status defense of insanity too. Strict automatism is a denial of actus reus and therefore most commonly used as a defense against strict liability offenses. There are a number of reasons why a person may go into a state of automatism, including dissociation or hypo-slash-hyperglycemia. Unconsciousness is the defense of denial of mens rea, which is easier to prove and hence more commonly used for non-strict liability crimes. For example, in cases of homicidal sleepwalking the illegal act is typically not denied but the intent to kill is. The defendant will typically be perplexed and confused and will not cover up the episode. Kenneth Parks after killing his mother-in-law and severely injuring his father-in-law, drove to the police station stating that he thought he had killed some people. The person's movements seem purposeful, the sleepwalker interacts with his environment in a limited way. Nonetheless the sleepwalker is not conscious of his actions. The use of the term automatism for these situations causes some confusion, as in these cases it is really the lack of intent on the part of the defendant which denies the mens rea of the offense rather than the actus reus. Although this distinction is problematic in many instances, better called unconsciousness. Intention is a problem in crimes of strict liability. Very few people intend to crash their vehicles, so clearly something better than intent is required to define automatism. 
Another issue with automatism is that when the issue is raised by the defense as realistic defense, an evidentiary basis, the prosecution then has to prove beyond reasonable doubt that the defendant was acting voluntarily. This is the case for several other defenses, for example, duress. The justification for this is that voluntary action is part of the definition of the offense, and therefore something under the presumption of innocence the prosecution has to prove. The evidentiary burden was laid down in Hill v. Baxter where the defense of automatism failed because there was no good evidence for the alleged blackout. Evidentiary burden means that the defendant needs to provide evidence to satisfy the judge that the issue should be put to the jury, which normally requires medical evidence, although R. V. Woolley, in which an HGV driver crashed after sneezing, proved an exception. Exclusions. Because automatism is such a comprehensive defense, there are various exclusions to an automatism defense. The person must not be at fault. The classic example of this is falling asleep at the wheel of a car, K.V. Butterworth. Although one is not responsible for acts done while asleep, one can be held responsible for driving in a state where one would fall asleep at the wheel. The issue of prior fault applies to many diabetics who suffer hypoglycemia while driving. Voluntary, and often involuntary, intoxication cannot cause legal automatism. In many jurisdictions, there is a distinction made between sane automatism and insane automatism. Where the involuntariness is caused by a mental illness, or disease of the mind, as per the Minuten rules, it will be regarded as insane automatism and will often result in a special verdict of not guilty by reason of insanity. This can have significant practical effects for the defendant, as they still may be detained after a special verdict as opposed to the straight acquittal available through sane automatism. The Mnitin rules require a disease of mind, which requires an internal cause. This is medically nonsensical and does not always bear much relationship to continuing risk which is the main justification. This means that insane automatisms do not require total loss of voluntary control. Thus, they are easier to prove in some circumstances, but conversely the burden of proof is on the defendant. Sleepwalking was initially an exception to the internal-slash-external doctrine until the case of R.V. Burgess. The most contentious qualifier is that there must be a total loss of control. In Attorney General's Reference No. 2 of 1992, this definition of legal automatism was confirmed. A lorry driver had crashed, and his defense, backed up by expert evidence, was that the monotony of motorway driving had caused him to go into a state of driving without awareness where although he could make minor adjustments to follow the road, he was not truly conscious of driving. This followed the decisions of Watmore v. Jenkins and Broom v. Perkins where diabetic drivers who had driven three miles or more were held to not have the total loss of control necessary for the defense of automatism. This definition is problematic, and the Law Commission, Butler Committee, and leading legal academic R.D. McKay, have all argued that this definition is too restrictive. Classically, automatisms in the legal sense have been defined as spasms, reflexes, convulsions, or acts committed in a state of unconsciousness for example, sleep. However, there have been cases where the automatism defense was successful when none of these apply. In RVT the defendant had been raped a few days prior to committing a robbery. She was clearly conscious of what she was doing, but in an associative state due to post-traumatic stress disorder from being raped. However, in RV is it, when the defendant drove away from a collision and evaded a police roadblock in a dissociative state, the defense was not successful. The Ontario Court of Appeal expressed a logical way of distinguishing such cases in Raby v. The Queen. There the defendant went into a dissociative state due to being spurned. It was held that such a commonplace occurrence was not the sort of external stimulus that would cause legal automatism, although the insanity plea would be open to him. 
Emissions. The problem with emissions and automatism is that the strict legal definition requires total loss of control. A person may well not be able to avoid a crash even though he has some residual control. In this case, the law is imposing liability for failing to do the impossible. Several commentators, including H. L. Hart, have suggested that responsibility for emissions must be framed with reference to the actor's capabilities at the time, rather than the objective test. Voluntariness. Law Forest J. In the Canadian Supreme Court case of R. V. Parks, asserted that automatism is conceptually a subset of the voluntariness requirement. One of the main rationales of criminal law is to use the threat of punishment as a deterrent to future wrongdoing. But, if an individual is to be deterred, he or she must be acting under voluntary control. If something is interfering with this control, automatism may be available as an excuse. Duress is not an example of involuntary action as although the choices faced by the person under duress may be difficult, nonetheless they are still acting voluntarily. Some would describe action under duress as non-voluntary as opposed to involuntary. This distinction is emphasized by the exclusion of the defense of duress for murder. In the words of the Queensland Court of Criminal Appeal in R. V. Milloy, Thomas J. says, that for automatism to succeed, Impairment of relevant capacities as distinct from total deprivation of these capacities, it is fundamental to a defense of automatism that the actor has no control over his actions. Reflex movements. One of the difficulties is defining what a voluntary action is and is not. Words like willed have the same difficulty, a voluntary action is one that is willed, whatever that means. In Australia, Brian v. The Queen, the defendant entered a shop with a loaded rifle for a robbery. In a sudden attack, the shop assistant caught the appellant by surprise, causing him by a reflex action to discharge the gun, killing the assistant instantly. The Crimes Act 1900, NSW, requires that murder shall be committed where the act of the accused, causing the death charged. Barwick C.J. said, that a crime cannot be committed except by an act or omission is axiomatic. It is basic, in my opinion, that the act of an accused, must be a willed, a voluntary act which has caused the death charged. It is the act which must be willed, though its consequences may not be intended. Concerning whether the firing of the gun was willed so as to constitute an act for the purposes of the murder charge, Elliot comments that his reaction was like the sudden movement of a tennis player retrieving a difficult shot, not accompanied by conscious planning, but certainly not involuntary. Despite accepting that the actual discharge was involuntary, Barwick C.J. confirmed the murder conviction because the act causing death included the general circumstances in which the gun was fired. The judge and jury could have concluded that the act causing death was the presentation of the cocked, loaded gun with a safety catch unapplied and that its involuntary discharge was a likelihood which ought to have been in the contemplation of the applicant when presenting the gun in the circumstances. Now a word from our sponsor, the Law School of America. In the U.S., in People v. Desina, 1956, the defendant had epilepsy. While driving his car, he had an epileptic seizure and the car went out of control, killing four people. Desina was convicted of negligent homicide because he had voluntarily driven an automobile without assistance knowing that a seizure was possible, breaching Penal Law 1053 on the negligent operation of a motor vehicle. Even though a reflex or a convulsion is an excuse, the actor in this instance cannot use this defense because he knowingly undertook the risk of driving while suffering from a disease that is characterized by frequent convulsions, etc. The actus reus was established when he began driving. This reasoning matches that in English law where any foreseeable loss of control is excluded from automatism.
To hold otherwise would be to excuse any driver or other person engaged in an activity where public safety is an issue, from the consequences of a loss of control that occurred after losing consciousness. Only sudden and unexpected health problems avoid culpability. In Scott's Law, Cardell v. Mulraney, 1992, applies the general requirement for cases involving a defense based on insanity or a comparable state, that there must be a total alienation of reason leading to a loss of self-control, to a case in which the accused claimed that he had involuntarily consumed a drug which had the effect that he knew what he was doing but was unable to refrain from acting. Where, as in the present case, the accused knew what he was doing and was aware of the nature and quality of his acts and that what he was doing was wrong, he cannot be said to be suffering from the total alienation of reason in regard to the crime with which he is charged which the defense requires. The sheriff found that the respondent's ability to reason the consequences of his actions to himself was affected by his ingestion of the drug. The finding narrates that he was unable to take account in his actions of the fact that they were criminal in character and to refrain from them. But this inability to exert self-control, which the sheriff has described as an inability to complete the reasoning process, must be distinguished from the essential requirement that there should be total alienation of the accused's mental faculties of reasoning and of understanding what he is doing. Sleep. Australian Model Criminal Code Committee state the law as follows. At the minimum there needs to be some operation of the will before a physical movement is described as an act. The physical movements of a person who is asleep, for example, probably should not be regarded as acts at all, and certainly should not be regarded as acts for the purposes of criminal responsibility. These propositions are embodied in the rule that people are not held responsible for involuntary acts, that is, physical movements which occur without their being able to perform that act. This situation is usually referred to as automatism. In the U.S., People v. Huey Newton, 1970, holds that unconsciousness, when not self-induced, say, as by voluntary intoxication, is a complete defense to a criminal act even though the defendant's acts seem very goal-oriented. The medical evidence was that gunshot wound which penetrates in the body cavity, the abdominal cavity or the thoracic cavity is very likely to produce a profound reflex shock reaction, that is quite different from a gunshot wound which penetrates only skin and muscle and it is not at all uncommon for a person shot in the abdomen to lose consciousness and go into this reflex shock condition for short periods of time up to half an hour or so. But the reflexive activity or unconsciousness need not cause physical collapse, it can exist where the subject physically acts in fact but is not at the time conscious of acting, compare, some European continental jurisdictions classify conduct resulting from automatism under the rubric of unconsciousness. In R. V. Cogdon, 1950, unreported but noted in Morris, Somnambulistic Homicide, Ghosts, Spiders and North Koreans, 1951, the defendant struck her daughter on the head with an axe while sleepwalking and dreaming about North Koreans. Her movements were not voluntary, so she was acquitted. This interpretation of automatism is consistent with Lord Denning's dicta in Brady v. Attorney General for Northern Ireland, 1963. No act is punishable if it is done involuntarily, and an involuntary act in this context, some people nowadays prefer to speak of it as automatism means an act which is done by the muscles without any control by the mind, such as a spasm, a reflex action or a convulsion, or an act done by a person who is not conscious of what he is doing, such as an act done whilst suffering from a concussion or whilst sleepwalking. Situations involving hypnotism, concussion, and sleepwalking may involve apparently deliberate and purposeful conduct. In fact, this is the case for many situations where the defense of automatism is presented, spasms or reflex actions are rarely likely to be perceived as criminally liable acts. 
As for sleepwalking itself, the Canadian case of RV Parks exemplifies a certain judicial willingness to regard a sleepwalker as behaving as an automaton even though he had apparently performed goal-directed acts. The accused fell asleep in his living room. A few hours later he got up and drove 23 kilometers to his in-law's home. Still asleep, he entered the house, found a knife in the kitchen, and went to the bedroom where his in-laws were sleeping. He strangled and cut his father-in-law, who survived the attack. The mother-in-law died from the repeated stab wounds and the brutal beating. The medical experts at trial unanimously agreed that the accused was sleepwalking and that sleepwalking was not a disease of mind. The Supreme Court agreed and held that sleepwalking can negate the voluntary ingredient of the act as reuse. There is widespread disagreement among forensic sleep experts that Kenneth Parks was in fact sleepwalking, it is not entirely clear the reason why the prosecution did not call its own experts on sleepwalking, one explanation being frank disbelief that the defense could succeed. The point made in these cases is that the key component of the two categories of cases identified by Lord Denning and Brady is a defendant's inability to control their behavior and not the way in which loss or impairment of the conscious or deliberative functions of the mind arises. Similarly, under the Swedish Penal Code, acts during sleep and unconsciousness, reflex movements, spasms, and convulsions, as well as acts performed under physical force or hypnosis are generally not punishable. Moreover, omissions caused by sleep, weakness, physical numbness, or anesthesia are generally not blameworthy. The issue is whether the accused had the ability to control the behavior, including taking early precautions to avoid loss of control. But, in English law, the ruling in R. V. Sullivan, 1984, held that, for the purposes of the Mnitten rules, a disease of the mind need have no permanence, leading many academics to suggest that sleepwalkers might well be found to be suffering from a disease of the mind with internal causes unless there was clear evidence of an external causal factor. In R. V. Burgess the Court of Appeal ruled that the defendant who wounded a woman by hitting her with a video recorder while sleepwalking, was insane under the Mnitten rules. Lord Lane said, we accept that sleep is a normal condition, but the evidence in the instant case indicates that sleepwalking, and particularly violence in sleep, is not normal. Overall, this emphasis on control rather than consciousness is supported by clinical science. Michael Coles says. On the basis of the available knowledge of human behavior, it may be suggested that many of the crimes the courts have decided were committed in an automatist state, that is, in the absence of conscious, volitional control or while the mind was a total blank, actually may have occurred in a state of diminished consciousness, with the diminished consciousness resulting in the diminished conscious control of behavior. In other words, the individual becomes disinhibited, and behavior that the individual would otherwise be able to gain expression. Insanity. A discussion of the relationship between automatism and insanity and internal and external factors is in Mnitten rules. The internal or external divide is a doctrine of English law, but not followed in Canada for example, hence Park's acquittal. Drunkenness. Voluntary intoxication is not automatism. Involuntary intoxication can constitute automatism. This was the decision in R. V. Hardy, although this decision may have been the result of judicial misunderstanding of the effects of diazepam. However, in Kingston 3 WLR 519, a man with normally controlled pedophiliac urges succumbed to them after being drugged unknowingly for blackmail purposes, he was found still able to form the mens rea for indecent assault. This decision has been much criticized by jurists. Provocation. To constitute a provocation, there must be a sudden and unexpected loss of control as a result of things said or done but the accused is still capable of activity which is sufficiently directed to cause the death of another. Hence, 
there is insufficient loss of control to constitute automatism, for example, as in the Canadian case of Bert Thomas Stone VR, 1999. Provocation is only a partial defense, a concession to human frailty, and not a complete defense like automatism. The Law School of America The content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation incorporated under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The Law School of America